Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And today, of course, we are joined by the great Naomi Wolf. She joins us today to talk a little bit about the admission that uh, has now been issued around the issues of menstrual irregularities related to the vaccine therapy. And we'll bring Josh Getzko back. He's got some material uh, on the vaccine that we did not get a chance to get to last time. Uh, also, he's had a very recent interview by Dr. John Campbell. Uh, and I have some questions about that interview. I listened to part of it today. I do suggest you do follow Dr. Campbell. He's got some interesting um, interviews and some interesting problems that he's investigating as well. Uh, of course, Dr. Kelly Victory is here with us. I'll be watching you out on the Rumble Rants and also on the Restream, so let's get to it. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need. But if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z -Pak. The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites, to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. Uh, Josh Getzo is a senior lecturer at Hebrew University, uh, sociologist, uh, and uh, he uh, is, hang on, of course I ran afoul of his, um, well, it's not in here. How about that? That's why I ran afoul of it. We've talked to him before. He's a, a PhD. Uh, he is a good an analyst of data, and he has some questions about some of the various data in particular. And of course, our friend Naomi Wolf joins us as well, best-selling author, columnist, professor, one of the world's most influential feminist writers, Rhodes Scholar, graduate of Yale, received a doctorate from Oxford, eight best-selling works. Of course, her her uh, 
legendary book, Beauty Myth, uh, is out there. You can follow her at dailyclout.io, also on Twitter, which is Naomi Wolf. Oh, Naomi R. Wolf, I beg your pardon. She'll be in here in just a second. Let me welcome, and of course, Dr. Kelly Victor will join us in a few minutes as well. Let's welcome uh, Josh Getzko for a second here. Thanks, Josh. Wanted to talk to you ahead of time about what's, what data you wanted to present to us that we did not have a chance to get to last week when you joined us. Yeah, no problem. Um, really, what I was hoping to share with you was something that I don't think has gotten nearly enough attention. Uh, so a lot of people talk about VAERS and the increase in reporting, uh, the incredible, unprecedented uh, increase in reporting of adverse events and serious adverse events and deaths to the vaccine adverse event reporting system since the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine. And um, basically, the CDC has done a safety signal analysis of that data and did not release it to the public what they found. And they found what they found was very, very concerning. And they found over 770 safety signals for many different um, adverse events, some not such a big deal, like, you know, it hurt my arm, I had pain at the injection site, but many of the adverse events are, are extremely serious. It might be worth taking a second to step back to tell you a little bit about the story of how this all came out, okay? Um, back in 2021, I started looking at the VAERS data and also from Europe and the UK, and you see this huge increase in reporting and you start to tell people about it. And one of the first things that you'll hear is, well, we're vaccinating a lot of people. So of course we're gonna get a lot of reports, but it's just incidental, right? It's just anything that happens to you, bad that happens to you, you're gonna connect it to the vaccine. And so I started looking at how the CDC actually goes about doing an analysis. How, how do they tease apart sort of, you know, when, when, when do we get worried, okay? And, and I, I, I found the, some papers they, they had published with their methodology. It's a very simple methodology. Here's what you basically do. If you have a new vaccine, you look at what percentage of the reports for that vaccine are for a particular adverse event. So let's say myocarditis, okay? So let's say, uh, and then you, you look at the, what proportion of reports for that event uh, do you have out of all of the reports for this new vaccine? And you compare that to the proportion of some comparative vaccine that's been around for a long time, like the flu vaccine or all vaccines or something like that. So imagine 50% of your um, adverse events that are reported for this new vaccine are for myocarditis, but in the past, only 25% of the reports were for myocarditis. Oh, we have a signal, we have a safety signal because we have a larger proportion of events being uh, reported for that particular uh, adverse event. Okay, it's very simple, um, basic math. And so I just did that and I looked at, at, at you know, what, what the signals were and I found lots of, you know, hundreds of very concerning safety signals. I went a step further and I said, well, uh, maybe it's maybe there's something here going on with the number of doses. Let's look at how many reports are we getting per million doses that are being given out. And what I did is I compared COVID vaccines to flu vaccines because, like 
COVID vaccines, flu vaccines are also given out to elderly people. And so it allows us to sort of, and I was able to compare different age groups. And still I found very concerning safety signals. And there was, I mean, it was like flashing bright, you know, hit you right between the eyes kind of thing. There was no way to make the signals go away. I said, well, if I'm seeing these signals and I'm using the CDC's methodology, then the CDC must be seeing something, right? They must be seeing safety signals. And so together with a, a legal team at Children's Health Defense, we FOIA'd the CDC because beginning of 2021, they put out a document on their website how they were going to go about doing safety signals, uh, a safety signal analysis for the new COVID vaccine. And they said, every week, we're going to do this type of comparison that I just explained to you. It's called PRR, proportional reporting ratios. So we, we FOIA'd them. Well, what did you find in these, uh, you know, uh, proportional reporting ratios? It finally got back to us in the spring, March of 2022, and said, um, well, actually, we didn't do it. We didn't do a safety signal analysis of VAERS. And I was dumbstruck. I mean, this level of malfeasance um, was, was stunning to me because they had promised everybody that they were doing everything they possibly could to, right. um, so, to monitor VAERS. So they they, yeah, they so promised I'm, I'm, uh, the Congress that they were going to use this. This is, VAERS yeah. is our, er, our, our early warning right. signal, and they completely ignored so he, it. Go ahead. So, but they, they didn't ignore it. They, they shunted it over to the FDA. They gave the responsibility to the FDA. <laughs> and so let me just tell you, um, Joseph Freeman has recorded in interviews now with the FDA that we have heard. And with the and on that interview, one of the one of the many things that was uh, actually just beyond astonishing was uh, one of the pediatric consultants on the line from UCLA had reported several months before a sudden pediatric death within a day or two of the vaccine and had repeatedly tried to reach the FDA for their comment analysis, you know, what, what further further investigation. And their comment was, oh, it must have fallen through the cracks. I mean, they should have been, right. oh, my God, this is – it's a five-year-old that died within we, – we need to figure this out, see what happened. They're like, yeah, well, fell through the cracks. And what Freeman found out was – you asked your very question – how do you determine that these safety signals are related to the vaccine, right? That's the that's the question you're asking. And you know no, what their response the was? That I'm asking. Well, let that's, me tell you, just so you know, all right, good, I'll get your question clarified. But this was the question I had thought you were asking, which was, which was what are you doing with these safety signals that jump out? How first thing first thing is are they related to the vaccine? And the frame and asked that, and their their response was, How do we analyze it? Well, we got a guy. We got a guy that right. goes out and looks at it. We got a guy, one guy, one human being is is charged with the responsibility to do something that is actually impossible. What I keep saying is what if they had a guy that was there to determine whether Vioxx caused heart attacks or not? Well, their guy might have said, no, I think Vioxx is fine. Instead, we have a multi-billion dollar suit and multiple people dead for the impropriety with which they overlook that data. They didn't, and then they didn't attempt to have a guy brush it aside. They just ignored it straight away. In this case, they're ignoring it by sending a guy out to look at it. It's astonishing. Well, it's I'd, astonishing what's going on. I'd rather they, they only paid one guy than 100 guys to reach the same conclusion, right? At least they're saving us money. 
they're not going to do their job one way or another. I mean, we've just seen un, 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 you know, this is a, a captured agency, right? This, this notion of agency right. capture is a standard concept right. of political science. And, and we see that, you know, in every, yeah. every day in every way. But, but the question that I was asking wasn't, are these safety signals related to the vaccine? That's the second step or one of the second steps. But first you have to find a safety signal, but you won't find a safety signal if you're not looking for it. And the CDC wasn't even looking for safety signals. It's at that level of malfeasance, okay? Now, um, later a journalist, um, Zach Steber at Epoch Times followed up on this and he was told something similar to what you said, which is, well, uh, the, uh, okay, First of all, he, he was told that they did start a safety signal analysis. Coincidentally, about a week after they answered us and told us that they didn't do a safety signal analysis. Right. They did right. it for a few months and they told him we stopped because we were finding the same thing that the FDA was finding. The FDA uses a slightly right. different methodology. And so there was no, no reason to do that. And it took him like another five months to get the results of the safety signal analysis that they did. And the results are stunning. Take a look. I, I brought a, a graph, a graphic summary I did of sort of some of the, the largest safety signals. Uh, this would be caption. This would be number four, slide number four. And you this just gives up, you a sense of, sort have... of the major categories of adverse events yeah. that the CDC itself found. Um, and these are in the, so the tens of thousands, these are the numbers of reports within these, all of these different types of uh, the, these major categories of adverse events. The total, uh, you know, ten, tens of thousands of different um, adverse events. Let's talk for, let's look at the cardiovascular one, which is the next slide, um, just to get, give you a sense of, well, you know, so you've got atrial fibrillation and myocarditis, cardiac failure, cardiac arrest rate. These are very, very serious safety signals. And there's something I should point out here is that, <clears throat> so myocarditis gives a safety signal and we know, and it's been admitted that the, that myocarditis is connected to the vaccine. Well, two thirds of all of the safety signals that they found uh, were stronger than the safety signal for myocarditis. So a question for you, for anybody, any reasonable person listening to this is, why, ha why hasn't the CDC told anybody about this? And why haven't they followed yeah. up on these safety signals? You might remember well. um, uh, um, late last year, there was, a, there was this uh, notification that went out all over the place about the safety signal um, that they had after the bivalent boosters. There was maybe a stroke signal, okay? And mm -hmm. it was plastered all over the media. And they said, well, we're looking into it, but it looks like it was a false signal and it's not really work. But they had a huge plan of all of the research they were going to do to follow up on it and make sure that it was okay. You know how many, how many signals of stroke they found in their safety signal analysis of the regular vaccines? 26 mm -hmm. different safety signals. And that would be on slide nine that I sent. Well, hold on before you go ahead, before you move it. Oh goodness. Well, there they are. What? So, so, but stroke is stroke, right? It's just, it's the anatomical distribution. It's all the same thing. Um, you right. know, well, transverse right. sinus thrombosis is a little different. They, the they, coons are a little right, different. 
but you know where the infarct occurs is you know what it is it's just you know those hyper you know the hyper uh, metabol hyper coagulation but hang on go back to the cardiac stuff because what's interesting on that is that if you add up <laughs> if you put together no 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 the cardiac all cardiac uh, events there you are if you put atrial fibrillation irregular heartbeat myocarditis uh, pericarditis, cardiac flutter, ventricular extasysteles, those are all the same thing. Those are all the same. Those are all caused by focal myocarditis, all of it. And it's all the same thing. And I've seen a ton of it clinically. Interestingly, I've seen none of it in elderly, none of it, and a lot of it in young. And that should be even more alarming because guess what? The elderly have a ton to be gained from this vaccine. So they might be willing to take a little more risk, but they're not even taking this risk. I, could you have the age breakdown was going to be my question. Because I'm betting 90% of this was under the age of 60. I don't have. No? Um, the, so the CDC's, this is just, I'm just taking numbers from the CDC. This isn't all of, by the way, this yeah. isn't our, all the cardiovascular signals that they found. These are just kind of the top yeah. ones. But um uh, they don't break it down it's all, by age. It's all get, caused by myocarditis. Now, in, 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 my, in my safety it, signal analysis that I did in the fall of 2021, late summer, I did break it down by ages. And I looked at the 65 plus group and there were also very strong concerning safety signals for death, for the different uh, adverse events that I looked at. Um, I, I haven't I, I broken this. I keep hearing that this, from Steve you know, Kirsch. The, I keep hearing that from him, and I just don't see. I just haven't seen it clinically, but I've certainly seen it. There's like 15, 40 year olds, like crazy. All of this, and it's all. And there's actually some papers out now that show that most of all those rhythm disturbances, maybe even including sudden death, which which I don't have an opinion on yet because we don't have the data, but is due to a focal scarring from myocarditis. So the myocarditis gets mixed, missed, and then the rhythm disturbances kick in a few years later. Question is, a few months later, question is, does COVID do the same thing? Well, some people have said it does do the same thing. Does it do it at the same rate? I don't I don't see it. I haven't seen it, but it, it might. But somebody's got to do this, these studies. No one's doing it. But hang on, uh, Josh. Well, we got to do a studies little out break there. Here. There, are quite, there are a number of studies that show that the, the, the myocarditis induced by the vaccine is more frequent and, and more problematic. I, I have seen that. Um, there are I, some I studies that, that will, you know differ from that but but there's also studies that say the covid is more more likely to do it but there really are no head-to-head -head kinds of studies because they're almost impossible to do i don't know how they do it but i mean how are you going to do how are you going to distinguish covid from vaccine from covid plus vaccine in a world where everyone has had covid in the vaccine how are you going to do that absolutely and so yeah, it's, it's very very difficult it's very difficult so, so we're going to take a break I mean, um go ahead finish your thought and then we'll take the break no it's fine go ahead Okay, because I, I got to get Naomi in here. I got to get Kelly Victory in here, and I'll pull back a little bit. Okay. I, I've got some questions, right. but but finish up. All right, uh, and well, uh, we'll do that right after the break. Bring everybody in here. Fall is right around the corner, which means dry, flaky red skin from allergy season is coming with it. But the best way to take care of your skin is with our skincare secret, Genucel. You don't need to worry about that puffy, tired eye look or those annoying dark spots or even dry flaky skin because Genucel skincare has you covered. Susan and I love our Genucel products so much, we want you to try our personally curated skincare bundles. 
It's risk-free at GenuCell.com slash Drew. GenuCell works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. Their concentrated vitamin C serum helps keep your skin plump and hydrated. Plus, with their immediate effects, you can see astonishing results in under 12 hours. Quick, effective, and easy. Go to GenuCell.com slash Drew right now to try our bundles and save over 60% today. And remember to enroll in GenuCell's world-class concierge program for additional savings and free shipping. Don't wait. It's GenuCell.com slash Drew. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash D-R-E-W. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, political and economic upheaval, dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com slash Drew for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. I do not give financial advice, and previous performance is no guarantee of future performance. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew to get your free info kit on gold. That is B-I-R-C-H-G-O-L-D dot com slash D-R-E-W. These products have transformed my life and Susan's and saved her marriage. Discover the key to oral hygiene, regardless of your current daily dental routine, whether you diligently brush and floss multiple times a day, or you struggle, you got bleeding gums, bad breath, plaque buildup, this revelation is for both of you. Surprisingly, over 350,000 Americans experience health issues that may be connected to their toothbrush or even caused by it, ranging from heart or blood sugar problems, forgetfulness, digestive difficulties, immune issues, all related to oral hygiene. Scientific studies have shown that a simple switch of your toothbrush can lead to a healthier teeth and potentially save your marriage. Yes, save your marriage. Our study, we did a personal study. My wife, Susan, hates the sound of the sonic toothbrushes, but introducing the real white sonic toothbrush, of course, also their hydroxyapatite dirty mouth mineral toothpaste by Primal Life Organics, these products have transformed my life and Susan's and save her marriage. It's much quieter. It's a very powerful toothbrush, but it is quiet and it saved her marriage. So the Real White Sonic Toothbrush from Primal Life Organics stands out among all other electric toothbrushes I've tried. It effectively eliminates plaque, harmful bacteria, promotes gum health. Get yours and enjoy 60% off at naturaltoothbrush.com slash DREW. Some platforms have banned the discussion of controversial topics. If this episode ends here, the rest of the show is available at drdrew.tv. There's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk-benefit calculation. It is the mandate public health to consider the impact of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire population. This is uncharted territory, Drew. 
And at this point, we are welcoming in Dr. Kelly Victory. Uh, Dr. Rich, I'll give you a couple minutes with uh, Josh. We had a little bit of a choppy sort of transition there because there's a, a lot of delay because Josh, poor Josh, is maybe 10 or 11 hours ahead on a time zone far, far away. But we appreciate him being here. You can, by the way, follow him on X at Josh G99. And the Substack is, I hope I'm getting this right, Jack A. Napes, N A P E S. Dr. Victory. Well, I've changed it. it. It's, oh. it's Research okay. Rebel dot substack.com it's a little easier on the you know rolls off the tongue a little easier okay well uh welcome welcome josh really happy to have you back and i appreciate you putting up with the uh the late hour where you are um i know our our viewers will find this shocking but i'm actually going to push back a little bit on what you guys were just talking about i uh reject the idea that we do not have data and evidence that these myocarditis cases are a result of the vaccine, not COVID, Drew. And we've got Peter okay. McCullough coming back Wednesday next week on the 11th, and he can speak more authoritatively than I with regard to this. Um, but the studies are very clear that the people who have suffered sudden cardiac arrest, for example, it's absolutely myocarditis that is vaccine induced. And they also have now um, plenty of autopsy data, unfortunately, that shows very clearly that the spike protein that is causing the myocarditis is vaccine induced spike. We have the stains uh, that show you are able to differentiate clearly between vaccine-induced spike protein and virus spike protein. They stain differently. The nucleocapsid is different. So you can say very clearly the spike proteins that are globbed up in the myocardium are a result of the vaccine, not the virus. Uh, and as I said, I'll, I'll leave it to Peter next week um, to really speak. That's really the, the main topic I want to address with him is to put to bed the idea that these are COVID-related cardiac injuries rather than vaccine-related. So I'll leave it at, at, at that for a second. What I want to, I, I share your apoplexy, um, Josh, regarding the CDC's abdication of duty to uh, investigate the VAERS reports. Let me just clarify one thing you said, which is that you know VAERS is our early warning system. No, VAERS was their early warning system. They own that system. They designed it. The CDC, NIH, and HHS own that. It's not like a bunch of tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers like you and me, you know, created this system. This is, I say that was tongue in cheek, by the way. Uh, they, this is <laughs> their system. They own it. They are obligated to investigate it. So not only have they not looked at the VAERS data, but then during COVID, they created this whole second system of early warning sign called vSafe. And they were going to optimize the, the cell phone, the idea that everybody was going to, you know, sign up on their cell phone and within hours and days and weeks after the vaccine, they could report in real time any bad events or any ill effects they were having from the vaccines. After a period of time, they just stopped that study, they shut down the VSA system, and they have never reported out the data from VSAFE. So two questions for you. Number one, have you been able to get your hands on any of the data? Because if it were good, I promise you, if it were good, uh, we'd be hearing all about it. Have you been able to get your hands on any of the data that they clearly captured from VSAFE? And then the second question is, when you look at the VAERS data, 
Are you seeing a decrease in reports, an increase in reports? You know, what's, what's the trajectory of the reports coming? So, so two questions I'll throw to you right there. Well, um, the VSAFE data, they only released the, essentially the immunogenicity data, which is sort of a preset uh, number of, I think about eight to 12 different questions. You know, did you have swelling? Did you have a fever? Did you have mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. um, and that's been analyzed, you know, the Informed Consent Action Network got a hold of that and that's been analyzed uh, sufficiently what hasn't been released are the, the, the open field questions where people could type in uh, what they wanted or what they were experiencing. And, um, and, and that hasn't been released, um, nor has the pregnancy data. There have been reports, you know, the CDC reports on that. I just want to let you know that my battery looks like it's about to die. And my, for some reason, my plug isn't working. So if you lose me, uh, oh well. <laughs> Um, and then uh, when you say pa pattern of reporting over time um, in VARES, what, what, what time frame are we talking about here? What it meant was I mean, just like, in terms of the pure numbers, when you know, we know when the vaccine uh, program was rolled out, we were seeing an just overwhelming number of reports to VARES uh, of all different sorts oh, yeah, of things. Absolutely. Are those numbers and continuing to go up or down? Well, no, because people are not, you know, they're, they're up, they're higher than, 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 than in the past, you know, historically, but um, we're, because people are getting fewer injections, there are fewer um, reports, um, but there's a huge, there's still a, a backlog of reports and there are new reports coming in, like, you know, people who died two years ago, suddenly their reports are showing up. Um, it's interesting, though, because there was a huge uh, influx. So, in, in August 2020, the CDC uh, uh, contracted with a, a big company um, to increase the, to get ready for the, the deluge of reports. They were expecting, instead of getting a thousand reports a week, they were expecting to get a thousand reports a day. Uh, instead of 5% serious adverse events, they were expecting 40% adverse events. That was in August of 2020. Why were they expecting that already back then? That's a good question. But what's it, even though they paid them like $10 million and they hired all these people, they immediately, immediately experienced a deluge that they couldn't even, uh, you know, they couldn't come up with. You can see that in, in, in uh, picture number three that I sent you from an internal report from that company to the CDC showing this huge spike, you know, very early on that they, they couldn't get out and, and they ended up having to renegotiate the contract, hire a bunch more people. And it took them six months just to go through the backlog of reports. And yet the CDC will tell you all the time that they are not seeing any safety signal there that, I mean, this is, this, this is what is known as interocular trauma. Okay. It hits you between the <laughs> eyes and there's no getting away from it. People dismiss VARES. They say, well, the, 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 anybody can report to VARES. The quality of the data, you can't trust it. But, you know, the CD, like you said, it's the CDC's and the FDA's system. If they had a problem with right. it, they should fix it. But they don't. In fact, they use the data to publish in top medical journals like JAMA and Lancet. And so, you know, if there's really, if the, if the data are really that poor quality, they shouldn't be able to publish them in those top medical journals, right? So right. it doesn't so, make any sense in any way. We don't, 
make a decision about a safety signal based on one or two or three reports. You look at the total number of reports, you do this mathematical comparison, it's very straightforward, and it doesn't depend on the number of reports you're getting, it, it, it depends on the proportion. And in fact, the more reports you get, the more it's likely to drown out safety signals. So people who say, well, there's so many you know, you know, new reports and it's just the number of people getting vaccinated, they don't know what they're talking about. It just doesn't work right. like so, that. And, and, so and I, I want, only I, have to, to, yeah. As you say, I want, I want to bring Naomi into this conversation because they're specific things right. we want to and talk I think about. A really nice to- transition, I think a really nice transition to what Naomi's going to talk about is that the safety signals for, that are related to menstruation, that's picture number eight that I sent. And this was uh, the top sort of menstrual uh, uh, adverse events that were reported uh, for menstruation issues, right? And you see all of these, all of these things that were dis- dismissed early on. I remember a, an article in a newspaper in Israel in like February that was talking about this because it was happening. It was so frequent, you know, you couldn't handle it. So they had to address it somehow. And they basically said it's, in, it, it's probably just stress, but we'll, we'll look into it, but it's probably just, you know, women being hysterical or whatever. Well, the, the reason I asked the question, Josh, about uh, the trajectory of the reports to VAERS is because one, one of my many fears about this whole thing is that as time goes by, as the period of time from people's vaccination extends, that, that people and certainly doctors who already want their head in the sand and already have blinders on and already don't want to acknowledge that these are vaccine related, people won't connect the dots. So if all of a sudden you're, you know, nine months, 12 months, 18 months past your last shot and you are diagnosed with a turbo cancer or you all of a sudden have a fertility issue or, or you know, do people still say this may well be a, a vaccine related yes. side effect? And so my fear is yes. that the reports to VAERS will drop off when the inclination of the powers that be is already to say, see, you know, that everything's back to normal. We're all okay. Right. Carry on. Nothing to see to here. I, when, in, when in fact, many of the things that we are seeing, the ill effects and, and uh, disease processes are in fact, you know, just a delayed effect of the, of the, vi- of the vaccine. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked last week, last week about how short the, the actual, um, you know, tr- clinical trial of Pfizer's clinical right. trial was and how they quickly vaccinated the placebo group. So there's no long term studies there. Exactly. VAERS won't capture long term effects because people don't put two and two together. And the right. way that they study adverse events using medical record data. Right. Um, the CDC does this other. There are many studies that do this. They, they all look at a very narrow window, uh, like first four weeks, six weeks after vaccination. And mm-hmm. here's the trick. They say, is the number of adverse events or the number of medical problems people are looking at, and they usually only look at a dozen or so, is it higher in the, say, four to eight weeks after the vaccination than it is in the next period after vaccination? So if you go from zero to four weeks, let's compare that to four to eight weeks. Do we see a higher, but what if it's high in both periods, then you're not going to see, you're not going to find a safe, you're not going to find a problem there because your, your comparison is all messed up. And that's, that's basically what most of these studies do where you say, oh, we published in JAMA that there was no problem. Well, yeah, but your methodology, you know, is highly problematic. 
So it's okay. yeah. No, Let's take let's take a break here, Drew. Yeah, and get Naomi in. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. Okay, we just bring her straight. There she is, Naomi. Welcome as always. And and uh, I I was watching a little video before the uh, before we all got in here of my last apology to you. So uh, do I need to apologize again or for anything else? I'm getting used to it, and I I find it rather satisfying now when you're right. (laughs) Doctor Drew, you know it's. it's after Yom Kippur, and I think you're in a really much better position than just about every <laughs> other male doctor in the world. Maybe there are six of them who have, um, you know, recognized what a serious issue this is, and you're the only one who's actually apologized for not recognizing it sooner. So I think you're in good you're in good shape um, morally. And you're you're, you're being kind. You're I being appreciate. kind by saying I did not recognize it sooner. I, I did I I was I recognized it when you reported it and I dismissed it. It was worse. I dismissed what you were telling me. And that's really what was inexcusable. I was very dismissive. And that's not okay. The hubris is the enemy right now for all of us. And uh that there was my bit of hubris creeping in. But Naomi, I wonder if you noticed on the data that uh, Josh threw up there, and Caleb, if you can put it up again, the the menstrual data, slide eight. It's all the same thing. Every single one of those observations is menstrual irregularity of varying degrees with varying frequencies and varying sort of uh, manifestations. But it's all, it's called menometrorrhagia. It should be one category, which is heavy, irregular, or no, or painful. It's all the same, or more frequent, or postmenopausal. It's all the same. So literally, they're dividing it up into a 10 different categories and going, oh, hey, look, there's no big problem here with, say, um, intramenstrual bleeding. It's, it's a smaller degree of number of people. And in fact, it's all the same thing. Yeah, they used, I mean, Many of your viewers know that um, for the last nearly two years, uh, I've been overseeing a group of 3,250 doctors and nurses and scientists who um, are going through the tens of thousands of Pfizer documents released under court order, and they've issued 85 reports. And one of the reports um, has kind of a mirror image of this slide from the Pfizer documents as opposed to from theirs. And um, Mm. it also breaks down... Um, horrible things happening to women's menstrual cycles in these um, sort of slices, right? But there's like 10,000, 15,000 women in each in each kind of cell or line, um, you know, bleeding every day, not bleeding at all, passing tissue, agonizing cramps. I guess what I would say if we're on a journey together, uh, Dr. Drew, of um, really hearing women I I agree with you. You're making the point, and I think it's the right one, that by teasing out these different subcategories of women suffering menstrually and getting um, basically menstrual disease, I mean, we need to coin new language for it, right? Because A, it's never happened before like this in human history, and B, no one takes what happens to women menstrually seriously in the first place. So we have inadequate language. But apart from your very good point that by teasing these um, problems with menses into subcategories, they're um, pl- playing with the math to make it look less alarming. Right. I would say that as a right. woman, these are all really different and equally, I mean, it's a chamber of horrors, right? And so it's one chamber of horrors if your period goes away altogether and you can never have a baby, right? It's another kind of chamber of horrors. And actually Israel was 
the source of this because in Israel you have communities that track menstrual cycles very carefully because they're Orthodox Jews. And so sexual relations between husband and wife can only resume after a woman has stopped menstruating, had a mikvah ritual bath and kind of been sort of made sure that she is done with her period. So in Israel, um, women are asking their rabbis for dispensation from sexual intercourse with their husbands because they're vaccinated husbands because they're getting such agonizing menstrual cramps after having sex with their vaccinated husbands. And that is something that um, was referenced in the Pfizer documents, that vaccinated men, there's something in is the this sperm in of vaccinated okay. men. Facing the, facing the Beast also, Naomi? Is it in the new book, Facing the Beast? Uh, a, a, a fair amount of it is, but the drilling down into the various ways in which women's lives are being ruined through something that is being, you know, th that I think is being minimized even now that studies are, you know, two and a half years late confirming that women are having problems with their menstrual cycles. Um, I guess what I'm trying to stress is that uh, this is not just menstrual dysregulation you know, not, no language that the scientific establishment is using now, even though they are grudgingly admitting that I was right in June of 2021 when my life was turned upside down by accurately saying on Twitter, women are having menstrual problems. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is these are disabling conditions, many of them. Bleeding every well, day is a yes. disabling condition. But real quick, Kelly, real quick, I, I want to I apologize again because because you're making me realize not only was I dismissive, like, oh, no, we see menstrual regularities all the time. I was dismissive on another level, which is I wasn't taking this seriously because you know women and their menstrual cycles. I mean, I was guilty of that also. And so, so I, I'm wondering, so, so I'm, ref as usual, we can all do better. And this is a great opportunity to examine ourselves on this. And as a male physician, I, I A, shouldn't have dismissed your observation of B, we all should be not so dismissive about women and their menstrual functioning. It's something that we are casual about at best. So thank you for refining that. Kelly, go ahead. I'm sorry. You're very welcome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sorry, Dr. Victory, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, let me just, let me take this a little bit different direction. I have absolutely, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, we were seeing this clinically, Naomi, and I've, I have said from the beginning that I anticipated we would see huge problems related to these vaccines and fertility and reproductive issues. And sure enough, we are. Um, so mm -hmm. there are two big questions, two big elephants, I think, in the room. Number one is addressing the why, what is it about these vaccines that is causing right. this huge array of, of uh, fertility and, and menstrual issues? But another thing that, that no one is addressing is that if we just assume, oh, these are all related to the vaccine, that's fine, but women who are having abnormal menses of all of these sorts, all of these categories, require a workup for lots of other things. Let me tell you right, right. now, postmenopausal women who start bleeding, you can't just say, wow, that's an right. awful vaccine injury. Yeah. We need right, to do totally. endometrial biopsies to make sure they don't Absolutely. actually yeah. have uterine cancer. cancer. Young women, yep. so, so all of these people need a cancer workup. All of right. these women need workups for polycystic you know, ovary disease. They, they need mm -hmm. workups for all kinds of things. This isn't just a simple, oh, look how awful the, right. the which it is awful, but the reality is we have now tens of thousands if, or millions of women, hundreds of thousands, I don't know what the actual numbers are, who now need mm -hmm. really extensive 
uh, full you know, soup to nuts workups to find out what is causing this is a deposition of the spike proteins. But we, we have just opened a can of worms that I don't even know where you begin with women's health to start addressing this because these are not simple workups. The idea of doing an endometrial biopsy in every postmenopausal woman, which is your obligation, if you're having bleeding after menopause, it is cancer it's until true. proven otherwise. I mean, That's that right. is cancer mm -hmm. until proven otherwise. You know, just think what that is going going to mean. So, you know, I'll let you. I'll hand it back to you, Naomi, because you've got lots to talk no, about about the actual data. I, but I'm throwing that out there. I'm so glad you did. Thank you, Kelly. I mean, it's everybody knows. Like, how does everybody not know that postmenopausal bleeding is a terrible warning sign of terrible things right. that are wrong? And so, I guess when you're speaking, you know, you're you're absolutely right. And what I would say there is by um, turning menstruation, which was a healthy process and a sign of a woman's health, into a disease state, like moving it over into a disease state, mm -hmm. what you've just described is going to bring billions of dollars to, you know, in addition to the medical right. industry, right? right? All those tests. And I also want to add on the emotional side, the fear. Um, right. Every time you have uh, not just the fear that you might have cancer if you're a postmenopausal woman bleeding, but if your period is so irregular and you're trying to have a baby, then every month when you have spotting or two periods a month or all the right. weird, you know, multiplication of periods right. that you see in the Pfizer documents, you're going to think you've lost the baby. You probably have or lost that pregnancy. And if you're trying not to get pregnant, then every time you don't get your period on time, you're going to have a pregnancy test. You're going to freak out. You're going right. to have a horrible right. discussion with your boyfriend or your husband. You know, you're going to go to an abortionist, I mean, or, or you know, make plans for having a baby that you're not anticipating or it's not coming at a time that you want. Um, right. It's, it's, it basically, I'm trying to describe women's lives being turned to hell, turned upside down with every single one of these, right. you know, neutral sounding little categories on these scientific documents, whether it's VAERS or in the Pfizer documents. And as a woman, right? So good. Shannon, shocker, women being ignored about problems only they experience. Yeah. This led me to what I wanted to say to the men in this discussion, and I'm so glad the men are here, but it's it's been like a weird two years because for two years I've been trying, as you see, to raise the alarm about this. And mostly the, the men who will speak to me are um, religious, Christian, and Jewish priests and rabbis. Um, the the liberal men don't care about it, won't talk about it. The medical establishment didn't care about it, won't talk about it. So I appreciate you gentlemen. But what I was going to say is it's literally like if a bunch of men were saying, you know, my penis, I'm having a discharge from my penis or my testicles, there's like lumps on my testicles or I'm having problems with erection, you know, or problems with ejaculation, you know, or I'm not sure I'm fertile anymore. It would be like the universe would stop functioning until everyone found yeah. out what was wrong with the penises and testicles of men. And I just put that there. Well, it tr truly, as I said, I, you know, I'm trying to elevate this to, you know, it's absolutely debilitating for, for women and the impact on them, but the implications potentially, the health implications are profound. Let's talk just about the issue of 
fertility. We know, and, and you and I have been talking about this, we've reported on it before, that if you look at birth rates around the world, they are down universally in those countries that have been highly vaccinated. Uh, most of Western Europe is down somewhere in the range of six to 9%. Uh, certain places like Taiwan was down 26%. The United States birth rates are down somewhere around 7%. And interestingly, we do not see those decreases in birth rates in places like Sub-Saharan Africa that were largely not vaccinated for COVID. So let's just talk about the impact of fertility and what you're seeing there, independent of all the horrific things people are, you know, not that not being able to get pregnant if you wanted to get pregnant isn't horrific, but let's talk just about what you're seeing in terms of fertility rates. Yes. Um, thank you. So Facing the Beast does go into detail about this because I think this is the greatest issue facing humanity right now. Um, mm -hmm. Those numbers uh, are the right range, you know, and Igor Chudov, who's a mathematician on Substack, um, has some pretty comprehensive essays that I cite in Facing the Beast, which show uh, and they're from government databases, which show that there are basically a million missing babies, a million missing live births in Western Europe. And he also shows a 13 to 20% drop in live births, especially in Western Europe and North America. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not like it's not rocket science. You know, we know basic biology. I mean, one of the things that's clearly happening with all of this, it's not just menstrual dysregulation, right? As I understand what menstruation is. If you bleed in the middle of what your cycle or you bleed postmenopausally, mm -hmm. there's something wrong with your uterine lining. You're like your uterine right. lining is being right. dead or, or uh, d dissolved in some way. And so that matters because the way you have babies, if you're of childbearing age, is that a blastocyte attaches to the uterine wall, right? So something's mm -hmm. destabilizing the uterine wall. Um, with mm -hmm. these vaccines, so that implantation of the of the blastocyte is is more difficult. Um, and I guess when you were asking about what could be the mechanism, our volunteers' reports have identified in the Pfizer documents, for that matter, which are so clearly focused on messing up women's menstrual cycles. Like it's like the centerpiece of the Pfizer documents. It's that's why I say it's intentional. Um, but there are two mechanisms people should know about. One is Although all the CDC and the spokespeople said that the injection materials stay in your deltoid, they don't. And Pfizer knew that and the CDC knew that and the FDA knew that. Right. And so the Pfizer documents show, and we've talked about this, a biodistribution. This confirms, um, you know, finding that Steve Kirsch and uh, Brett Weinstein found a couple of years ago, biodistribution of the, the materials throughout the body. Uh, but they right. especially uh, accumulate in the ovaries. So mm -hmm. you've got, and this includes lipid nanoparticles, which are um, an industrial fat covered in polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum product. So mm -hmm. these are accumulating in your ovaries. And it, like, I'm an English major and I see what's wrong with this, right? Because a, a fatty substance covered in a toxin is accumulating in your ovaries with the first shot. Our volunteers have found no way in which lipid nanoparticles leave the body. Then they, they accumulate more with the second shot in your ovaries. Then with the first booster, they're going to accumulate more. And I have whistleblowers, nurses, and midwives writing to me saying 
that they, in surgery, um, for completely unrelated things abdominally, are seeing blocked fallopian tubes in vaccinated women. Mm-hmm. So there's like almost a mechanical, you know, right. blockage well, of, that's, of the ovaries. Yeah, tubes. and yeah, you guys, we don't, and we don't really, really know yet. We, you know, we know we're seeing all these things that are candidate potential mechanisms and i know kelly you and i spoke to ryan cole who showed us slides of not just ovarian accumulation of both spike and liquid lipid nanoparticles he -hmm. also showed us intrauterine thrombosis right there's something right there maybe i maybe was it maybe it might have been thorpe that showed us that that there was there's something going on in terms of the clotting mechanisms affecting the lining of the uterus so there's three mechanisms right there there's a fourth now which is getting on people's radar which is plasmids plasmid story has yet to be told and there may be dna plasmids binding and releasing from the ovaries actually causing this have you heard that theory uh, naomi oh a couple of things i mean you're you're right on it dr drew um so the story we broke a couple of days ago on daily clout was that the white house knew about high levels of thrombotic thrombocytopenia blood clots you know, lung clots, leg clots, as well as myocarditis in May of 2021, freaked out, drove an emergency meeting with with Dr. Walensky, Dr. Fauci, to create a script, which is completely redacted, um, to deal with, quote, tough QA about, quote, COVID. So, uh, yes, um, and the Pfizer documents also show blood clotting, um, clotting problems uh, are rife with the vaccine. And, you know, what what is uterine lining and menstruation it's it's a it's a blood issue right so that you're right that that's one mechanism and i guess the last thing i want to say is i went to uh kevin mckernan's lab um a couple of days ago uh with my husband as the cameraman and he showed me uh, the the vials of moderna and jansen by the way moderna is cloudy which is really interesting and creepy you can kind of see the um the the thickness and the grayness yeah. of the viscosity of the liquid. And he has found, uh, he's a founder of medicinal genomics. He does PCR testing and he found plasmids and fragments of DNA in the Moderna uh, vial. So he was explaining to me what that does. I don't know yet the effect that that would have on menstruation, but it can't be good. And I guess the last thing I would say about a possible mechanism is that um, lipid nanoparticles traverse membranes and they traverse every membrane in the human body. So that they are going to, if they traverse every membrane, Dr. Thorpe, you know, shows like uh, placentas that have been, you know, ruined. Independent wives were in touch with her confirming this because these lipid nanoparticles are traversing them. So if you've got something traversing membranes in the human body, you've got something else that could be destabilizing the uterine lining and the uterine environment. There's no question that we have known, and Drew and I did a show over a year ago now, Drew, just on lipid nanoparticles. Mm. We've known for decades that lipid nanoparticles are very problematic, particularly to the reproductive organs. Uh, As you Mm -hmm. said, Naomi, uh, Pfizer knew, and and we know because we have the study out of Japan well before the vaccines were launched to the public, 
they knew darn well that the material did not stay in the deltoid muscle of the arm and that it traveled 11% of it uh, concentrating in the ovaries and testes. Um, so between the mRNA and the lipid nanoparticle, we knew that there was going to be trouble in those um, hormone producing organs of the, of the testes and the ovaries. The other thing I will mention that I would throw out there in terms of back to this issue of birth rates and fertility, and I raised the alarm flag about this again before the vaccines were ever launched, which is that one of the portions of the spike protein that you are intended to make antibodies to uh, bears a remarkable resemblance to a protein that is required for placental development called Synctin-1. And therefore, I said, if you create antibodies, as you are intended to do, to the spike protein, mm -hmm. I guarantee there will be some crossover and those antibodies will think that the, that the placenta is also foreign and they will attack the placenta and they will keep it from, from implanting and developing. And sure enough, that is exactly what we are seeing is an autoimmune attack on the placenta. And I think this is likely contributing significantly to uh, spontaneous miscarriages uh, and the failure to implant. So um, I, I think it was, it was predicted, it happened, um, and they simply won't, won't address it. So I think when you look at the placental issues, you're seeing, as you said, you know, autoimmune issues, plus these horrific blood clots. Uh, Ryan Cole showed us placentas that were way small for gestational age. Right. You know, in other words, a placenta that, you know, would feed a six week old gestation, not a six month old gestation. Uh, and these are, these are really, really problematic. Um, so yeah, I, I assume like me, Naomi, you take no great joy in having been right. There's, uh, you know, some relief, I suppose, in vindication, but here's my question to you. The, the data are unassailable. You've been proven right again. I've been proven right over and over again, not because I was a good guesser, because it was clear what was going, okay? Why is it with all of this data, all of this evidence, I don't see that we're winning the battle. They're still pushing these shots. They're still yeah. recommending them for pregnant and lactating women. What is yeah. it in your mind do you think needs to happen? to turn the tide? Well, uh, I mean, it honestly depends on what day it is, um, whether I feel like we're winning or losing. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think we've had significant recent victories. Ha <laughs> um, Because mm -hmm. Pfizer has lost $150 billion in value um, since we started reporting out these facts and other people did too. And they're back to where they were before 2020. So all that massive, you know, balloon of, of profit, which was based on lying to us and hurting us and killing us um, and funded by our taxpayer dollars, paradoxically, mm -hmm. that's, that's gone. And I, I also do hear, you know, as much, as many beatings as we've taken, as much reputational attacks as, you know, have been directed at us, I do hear that people in the land of CNN and NPR and, and young adults, especially who are the ones most at risk of never having babies mm -hmm. or, you know, having their babies not not uh, be born or you know spontaneously aborted and so on, um, word is getting out, and people who used to think I was crazy uh, are now kind of acknowledging, you know, 
mm-hmm. should have listened to you. So not that that's important. What's important is just saving the human species. So yeah. those are victories because, you know, thousands, if not millions of lives have been saved by us not shutting up, you know, and using every mm-hmm. channel mm-hmm. available to us. Now, that said, as you may know, I don't think this is a normal time in which there's just greedy pharmaceutical companies and captured regulatory agencies uh, being not careful enough for exploiting mm-hmm. a situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like the jungle, Upton Sinclair's, you know, story about corrupt right. institutions right. and tainted, you know, milk and meat. I think, I think, and I've shared this with you, and more and more evidence is coming out showing that I'm right about this, not that I want to be, um, you know, that we're under, we're, we're, a war is being waged against us. And uh, my original research found that these injections are manufactured by the Chinese Communist Party and distributed by the Chinese Communist Party, and that in 2021, the IP, the intellectual property, went was transferred 100%, according to the SEC filing, to China for uh, Pfizer-BioNTech injections, COVID injections. So I, and I think this is related to what's going on at the border, and I'm the daughter of immigrants, granddaughter of immigrants, I believe in legal immigration, but there's a war, you know, and millions of people, many of them of fighting age, are, are flowing in over the border, and at the same time, people are dying and being disabled in Western Europe and North America, and mm-hmm. babies are, uh, aborting and being miscarried in Western Europe and North America. So bad people want a world in which the United States is not a superpower, um, in which people who live in the United States never knew what it meant to be citizens of a free republic because they come from authoritarian regimes, and in which those of us who do remember um, aren't aren't reproducing ourselves. And we're, Mm -hmm. you know, Ed Dowd said, like, we're on track for that in five years. It's like, inject everyone with this disabling, sterilizing injection, you know, try to do Mm -hmm. it five times, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, flow people in who have no memory of living in a republic of not, you know, not being uh, desperately poor and subjected to authoritarian regimes and wait five years and you're going to have a completely different reality in Western Europe and North America. And it's one that, in which we won't be able to fight back as free people. Um, it'll be, you know, kind of world economic forum serfdom. So that's what I really think is happening. And I will say again, I don't want to say it. I want to be wrong. I want to have misstated. There aren't that many people who have looked at the Pfizer documents, you know, in detail right, and right. read every yeah. one and edited every one of 85 reports mm-hmm. that these experts mm-hmm. put together. I have done so. And I've looked and looked at those sections in the Pfizer documents where they say things like, Two babies died in utero due to, quote, maternal exposure to the vaccine. And they just say it. They know that this injection is killing those two babies, killed those two babies. And they didn't stop everything and say to the FDA, we killed two babies in utero. We know it was exposure to the vaccine. No, they, they, as you say, doubled up. You know, to this day, people send me ads about, you know, pregnant women have to get this injection. The other thing we haven't talked about is um, mRNA spike protein and lipid nanoparticles in breast milk, which I also mm-hmm. sounded the alarm. Right. About. I broke that story right. with the volunteers. In the Pfizer documents, four women have blue-green breast milk and babies are, like there's another chart, which would chill your soul, of babies getting sick from drinking vaccinated mom's milk. In the Pfizer documents, this many babies had swelling of their flesh. This many babies had fever. This many babies had uh, uh, convulsions. This many babies, 
you know, one baby died, you know, they brought this poor baby to the hospital. It had multi organ system failure. And Pfizer just documents this. They know they're, they're sickening babies and look at, you know, breastfeeding has gone from 34% of babies and moms to 14%. And just look right. around you. Look, you know, the world has changed. Look around you. Do you ever see really heavily pregnant women anymore? You see women with tiny bumps, but do you ever see women right. who are like really, really pregnant at a normal right. size, right. late stage pregnancy? You don't. And this confirms what our midwives and nurses who are talking on background to me are saying that babies don't come to term. They have to deliver them early. Um, because the placenta isn't growing normally and you don't see babies breastfeeding anymore really you don't see moms and babies breastfeeding almost ever so it's a different world in which the female body has been poisoned and, and butchered the parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health well-being as well as longevity likewise for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs cats even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh, boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, oh, boy. <laughs> he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. Well, I, I just see a really stark difference between what we're doing here in the United States and what they're doing elsewhere. The UK put a moratorium on vaccinating pregnant women or lactating women or even young women trying to get pregnant over a year ago now. They put the brakes on. In contradistinction, ACOG, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology here in the United States, is doubling down. Uh, never before in the history of, of medicine have we given a drug or a therapeutic to a group of people on whom it was specifically not tested. This is the first time I'm aware of. I've been practicing medicine for more than 30 years. I have mm -hmm. never known of us to give a drug or therapeutic to groups of people. And it, this wasn't tested on these people. I, on the other hand, they clearly knew what it was going to do. Uh, and I think that it is, it is very, very troubling. Independent of all the issues with regard to fertility and menstrual issues, even if you take those things out, Naomi, the incidence of ill effects from the vaccine seem to have a preponderance towards, towards women. Uh, women are more affected by all of things with the exception of myocarditis. 
everything else that mm -hmm. is happening. If you look at the cancer rates, autoimmune issues, neurologic issues, they all seem to affect women more than more than men. Whether or not that was purposeful, I don't know. But we have got to, uh, you know, it, it, it is really alarming. I had a conversation yesterday with Reggie Littlejohn, who is uh, running the Sovereignty Project and really trying to keep us out of this dreadful pending treaty with the World Health Organization. Interestingly, so of the nations that, oh yeah, she's doing remarkable work and everybody better get on board with this or, or the world as we know it, you know, our, our freedom is gone. Interestingly, of the countries that have signed, you know, raised the alarm flag about that and said, no, we don't want to participate. There are 11 of them. There are countries like mm -hmm. Iran, Syria, mm -hmm. Cuba, Belarus. Wow. You, you know who's missing from that? The United States. United the States. United States has, yeah, 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 we're all in. We're all into the one health. Um, I don't I mean, I like you very much, but you and I don't have the same health. I'm here to right. say we don't have one <laughs> right. health. We, you know, my health is not your health. Uh, and, and, and likewise, so, you know, it's really, really alarming. So I'd love to know where, where are you taking this next? You've got this incredible energy, this incredible, you know, you're right. You know, the data, where are you taking it? Uh, <laughs> um, well, I just wanted to note, and I promise I'll answer your question, that uh, the, though pregnant women were excluded from the Pfizer mm -hmm. internal trials, um, nonetheless, 270 women in the Pfizer documents got pregnant anyway. Pfizer lost the records of 234 of them, which is illegal. Well, of course, of the 36, yeah. of course they did. Of the 36 women whose records remain, over 80% of them lost their babies. And uh, that's just one of the two places in the Pfizer documents that shows shocking levels of, of spontaneous abortion and miscarriage. Um, so where am I taking this? Well, I guess, you know, in Facing the Beast, I spell, you know, I, I talk a lot about the, uh, the, the, the death of the innocence. I mean, it's interesting. I'm reading, I mean, if you really want to know, I'm reading the Geneva Bible in a separate series of videos, um, 1560 founders Bible, and we're at Exodus. And it was a time in which, you know, the, the babies were, you know, the babies were being sacrificed by state policy. Pharaoh was like, get rid of all the children of Israel's babies. And, you know, it's incredible to think that we're in a time that literally echoes the, the Hebrew Bible, in which state policy mm -hmm. around the world knowingly is is killing babies, you know, at, mm -hmm. at massive, unimaginable scale. So I guess this may not be the right place to say it, but in Facing the Beast, I, I, I go from looking at what's really happening to humanity to asking a question like, why is this happening? And Right. I personally have come to the conclusion that, it, you know, we're, humanity is being tested, you know, like, I don't know if we'll survive this or not, but I think it's a spiritual battle. I think it's a battle between good and evil. I think we've spoken a little bit about that before. Yeah, I've, I've, I tell people, I, I feel like I'm living the book of Revelations uh, right now, and uh, I, I know how it ends. Um, so I, I, I truly feel like we, that we are living in, in the end times personally. I, I, I am still hopeful about it because I know where I end up in it and I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I, I yeah, think it's, that's it's tough are. if you're Jewish, right? Because it's like, <laughs> no, it's not yes. that way for us. We just, you know, yes. just go off the, into, into the ovens or into the, into the mountains of Babylon. You know, it, it's like, yes. 
I don't, I don't know if there's a happy ending, but I do know that there's, I, I do believe on it, moving it back to the material. Cause I know this is not a kind of California kind of show where we leave <laughs> the material for too long. Um, I do believe, and I see that even as existing institutions are crumbling, like people's trust in health, like CDC, FDA, CNN, NPR, it's collapsing, right, as it should. But I do see new communities arising and new, new institutions being built. You know, look at us, alternative media is now bigger than legacy media because legacy media sold their souls. There's no other way to say it. So I think, you know, if we react correctly, this is 1776 and we really could rebuild America and we could save, you know, some of the babies, if not all of the babies and some of humanity, if not all of humanity and, and maybe build, you know, rebuild science, rebuild medicine. I, I do think that's possible. People have done it before in completely corrupted societies. Um, they've, uh, on the ashes of the completely corrupted societies, they've built healthier institutions. I believe it's possible. But first, people really have to know and face. That's why the title is Facing the Beast. You know, what is the beast? I mean, the beast could be this malevolent uh, state policy around the world that's destroying women and destroying babies and destroying kind of humanity and human health. And or it could be the ugliness that we saw in 2021, 2022, where people turned against each other. A two-tier society was built up. People embraced exclusion. Um, maybe the beast is that isolation that was inflicted on us. Uh, loneliness, you know, leaving our elders alone to die by themselves. I mean, I think you can interpret the beast any way you want, but I think we're in a time where we have to face up to the ugliness that we've committed. It's a very kind of days of awe time and, you know, commit to not being ugly anymore if we're going to save ourselves. I will tell you, I, it's interesting to that point. I spoke this past weekend at a uh, conference in Spokane, Washington, a medical freedom conference, um, and I was stunned at the number of people. There were physicians, nurses, physical therapists, mm. pharmacists, who have all thrown off the mantle of the standard system. They have all gone insurance-free. They've gone concierge. They're saying the hell with all of it. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing your electronic medical record. I don't, I'm not sure there was a vaccinated person in the room. They've all lost their jobs. That Many of them got fired and kicked out. And they said, good, I don't need you. Mm. I'm done with you. And mm. I was in the state of Washington, of all places, Amazing. not like I was in Iowa, you know, or, right. or Arkansas. Right. I mean, I was in the state right. of Washington and it was kind of a challenge for me to get there. You know, the travel was a bear. I'm dealing with a bunch of my own uh, health stuff. And I thought, why am I doing this? And I'm so glad I did because it, it, it re sort of renewed my faith in mankind and my faith in my fellow, you know, medical healthcare professionals. I said, mm -hmm. maybe there are more people out there who do have a clue and they're quietly just sort of saying, I'm done with this and I'm making, we're creating a whole new system. And uh, so maybe the be maybe, maybe we're about to tackle the beast uh, and, right. and hopefully come out on top. I love that. There was a pair, I think this may be happening across the country, maybe even throughout the world. There was a conference called Back to Basics in Wellesley, Mass that I attended a few weeks ago. And it was the same thing. I've never seen anything like it doctors and nurses and mm -hmm. like psychiatrists even and yeah. um and they've been like nurses have created nursing networks 
that where, Mm -hmm. you know, you go right to the nurse and you bypass the whole sick medical system. It was fascinating Mm -hmm. because they also explained step by step how medicine got corrupted and electronic medical records featured largely in that corruption Mm -hmm. of the system. But it, if this is really happening throughout the country, and if we can still have capitalism and not be taken over by, you know, globalist kind of oligarchical <laughs> communists, um, the market will speak, you know, and people will, I mean, people are flocking to the yeah. wellness company. People are flocking to telemedicine with people that they trust. I, I'm trying to do everything mm-hmm. I can to never see a conventional doctor in a hospital setting again. Um, and I think there are a lot of us. Uh, so that's a very hopeful sign. It's a beautiful sign. No, you, that's, that's actually a great, the wellness company, talk about a great example of a group of people, all of whom were targeted, had, you know, really uh, faced the slings and arrows during this. And their response was to gather together, not to reject their patients, not to abandon uh, mankind, but to instead band together, create some unbelievable solutions. They're do they're the ones creating, I think right now, the best targeted therapies to uh, fight off the spike protein and to treat uh, whatever element this is of long COVID and to really address people's issues there. They are a, a great example of that. So I hope, uh, Naomi, that that more of this is going on in little pockets and we just aren't aware of it all the time because we're constantly facing the ugly, but there's really little pockets uh, that are about to bubble up and, uh, and you know, sort of band together. I think so. I, I hope so. I, at TWC again to to pile on that. I, I think they have they have uh, goals well beyond what they've been doing so far, and really coming together yeah. and creating a new kind of medicine. Ultimately, I think it's a great I idea. I, I'm seeing little pockets of similar kinds of things out there, and I think it, it's something whose time has come. And uh, yeah, I I'm going to be moderating a panel uh, in a couple of weeks with. Uh, RFK Jr. and Asim Malhotra. So be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And they uh, several other medical freedom types. So it, it's, it's just an extraordinary time. Um, I, and I, it is scary, though. It, it does feel like Book of Revelations and End Times. But I, I like both of you. I remain very... I remain very positive. I, I, I have an optimistic bias, I've noticed, and uh, it, it actually affected me during COVID, where I was like, wait a minute. How, how bad actually is this? And my bias helped me to see the truth, but it it gets very confusing. It's very difficult to to sort everything out, and we have to be you know humility, care, caution. All these things are uh, worthy worthy uh, words to keep in mind all the time. I, I never thought words like freedom and bravery, as I've told you before, that would be also top of mind, but they are. Right. And uh, again, today Naomi has further refined my own humility. I, I I knew I was dismissive of you, but I didn't realize I was dismissive of of this thing, uh, menstrual health. Let's call it. I guess we don't have a word. We don't have language proper proper language right. for it yet. But it was always very like. And as you said, when it comes to uh, male health and certainly penile health, uh, yeah, the 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 world might stop turning if all men suddenly had a problem <laughs> right there. And uh, and we are very. We're very dismissive of women's menstrual issues. And if you think about it, I, I'm just vamping every second, but you think about it, the in, incredible power of that moment when a woman is 11, 12, 13 years old and this begins, men have no idea any about that, anything. And then to have that cycling and that part of their regular sense of their own being and health, men have no idea about that. And when it goes off, 
we're like, oh, so what? So what? Maybe you have a skin rash. Oh, your period's a little irregular. What's the big deal? We have no appreciation. And I didn't really, really think about it with the way I should have. Here I am, 60 some odd years of age, just waking up to how, how it's really pathetic, you know, and, 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 and a physician and just really waking up to how, I don't want to use too strong word, but it's insensitive is really what it is, insensitive. And, and as usual, women take everything on themselves. It's all, you know, they take it on for themselves, on behalf of themselves, on behalf of women. And it's really it's time that uh, we paid attention. So part of, part of us uh, coming out of the uh, death of the innocents includes being more realistic about women and women's health, I would say. I, I appreciate that. But again, Dr. Drew, you know, you are forgiven because on this journey, like intention is everything. And the other thing is women like this, these are shameful secret things. Women are not, I mean, I see on Twitter, all these, you know, bought off doctors saying, well, I don't see any evidence of this. Well, women are not going to go on Twitter and say, I am passing clots out of my vagina. You know, they're, they're just <laughs> not going to. It, it's shameful. It's mm. miserable. It's embarrassing. Um, and I guess what I would say to your lovely peroration there is, Women don't talk about this a lot, but it's hard to menstruate, you know, like even when everything is working perfectly and you're a healthy woman, it is hard to menstruate. It It's hard to carry a baby. It's hard to give birth. It's hard mm. to breastfeed. It's, you know, none of it is mm -hmm. easy, even when everything is perfect. And women have been told to be silent about all of it. So maybe this discussion is very positive. I hope it leads women to be more open and less ashamed, but don't beat yourself up too much, mm -hmm. Dr. Drew, because, you know, you're, you're facing 5,000 years of being, you know, of women being silenced about the processes of their bodies, especially their reproductive bodies. So let's leave it there. No doubt we'll be back with more. There's a lot, uh, you know, it's always more to talk about here as we try to slog through the, get the book, Facing the Beast. It's out now, Naomi. Uh, you can pre-order it now, which is very important, pre -order. publishers say, but okay. pre-order it on Amazon. It'll be out November 9th. All right, we will do so. And Kelly, as always, thank you so much. And thank you for yesterday. We were watching from afar and we're intrigued by that whole conversation. It was a oh, great conversation. It, yeah, there's just more to be worried about all the time. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to coalescing around the truth one day soon i'm still i still worry about yeah. a lot of things i worry about stuff and i and i want us all to get this right yeah yeah if we go to this, the root of this social credit score my social credit score is going to be pretty bleak so <laughs> so i'm gonna you know, i'm screwed so let me tell you right now yeah exist. yeah 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 my, my my social credit score isn't likely to be very high so uh you know i'm i'm definitely fighting against it but uh anyway thank you for being back we uh, you're always Thanks. a joy to have uh, i really appreciate it I appreciate you guys. And also, we, Naomi, we'll let you, let you go. And uh, also to uh, Dr. Getsky, we appreciate his participation. Kelly, I have one question for you that I was going to ask him before. He, he had a technical problem. Mm -hmm. If you remember, he said his computer yes. battery was going dead, yeah. and lo and behold, it did. But but the, the issue he's making and he made on the John Campbell, he was interviewed by John Campbell, I think, recently. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he made a big deal out of the bait and switch, which he's what he talked to us about last time. Right. And, and I started thinking... I don't really know what the issue is. I mean, what, so what if somebody, and you tell, I'm, I'm saying this somewhat facetiously, so I want you to straighten me out. So what if somebody makes a shirt and puts a 
alligator on it and calls it, you know, lacrosse cost as opposed to somebody puts a horse on it and calls it polo. Maybe it's the same shirt. What what do I care if different brands put their brand label on the same thing? How is it oh. how is community different than the the Pfizer studied vaccine? Okay, so you're conflating two different things. The bait and switch okay. didn't have to do with that piece of it. The bait and switch had to do with the very limited studies that were done, were done using, mm. not using this DNA process where they did the E. coli and they grew it. They, 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 okay, it right. was done. So, so the very PCR. limited studies that were done with PCR. The PCR. Exactly. And Got then, it. okay. What they actually launched to the public was this thing that was grown with DNA on the E. coli DNA and has the plasmids in it. Totally different thing. Totally, it would be like got it. You know, you you got you got something passed. You know, here's the, the you know the macaroni and cheese that you got passed through the you yeah. know uh, the food and, and then you totally replace all the different components with something else and say, I mean, they they they're totally different products. Still looks the totally. same. Still looks the yeah, same. Looks exactly. like macaroni and cheese. Totally different process. Okay, okay. got yeah. it. So, and is that so the that one that's labeled yeah. Comernity? No, is that okay, Comernity so, or is so that, yes. was there another yes. switch? Okay. So no. Okay. So so that so you get this thing that goes out with under the EUA, but it's now made mm -hmm. with the DNA. Okay. So it's not what they tested. Right. So all the testing they did before and doesn't even apply because not we don't even know. No testing right. was done on this new stuff. Then so that gets yeah. the emergency use authorization. Subsequently. Sometime down the road, the FDA now approves Comirnaty, which they say they say is identical to the emergency use authorization product, but it's identical to but distinct. Okay, and mm -hmm. the reason this was sleight of hand, they did this because they knew very well that they would capture more people who were vaccine hesitant, because many people were saying, "Well, I'm not getting this thing until it's FDA approved." So the FDA said, okay, mm. we're now approving it. Stamp approved. It's now called Comernity. I see. But the Comernity wasn't in order to allow, number one, right. Pfizer to use up this huge stockpile they had of the emergency mm -hmm. use authorization, the stuff that didn't wasn't labeled Comernity, in order to allow them to use all that up whilst we remaining totally, totally protected from any liability. Because if you get injected with any of mm -hmm. those, they, if they don't say comernity on it, they are by definition emergency use authorization product, and therefore the right. company has no liability. So they allowed them to use up this huge amount of, they're still using it up. There's still no comernity in the United States. If you go in today to say, I never got vaccinated for COVID, but now I'm, you know, I, I, you know, feeling badly about, you know, myself, and I'm now going to go get it. And you go in to get a Pfizer shot, you are going to get the emergency use authorization stuff, the BioNTech, right. that's not comernity. And therefore, if you drop dead or have a problem, you can't sue them. Mm -hmm. So that was, again, it was sleight of hand, but that stuff that ultimately made it to the market was the second product. It was the uh, the bait and switch. It was okay. not so hold the, on. the stuff that got limited. Yeah, I, I get it. But I, now, now if I'm looking at it from the UK, say, I'm in, I'm in, uh -huh. I'm in the National Health Service there. Yep. Are they distributing community? And is that the DNA yes. product that is still not it, the PCR product it, from it, Pfizer? Correct. It is the Got DNA it. product, Got it. but it you are likely, Got you it. can get comernity in the UK, but they did it here in the United yeah. States to make people think 
that what they were getting was yeah. an FDA-approved product, and it's not. If you ask to see the vial, I promise you, it will not say comernity on it. So it was, it. but yes, it is, right. it's the second process. It's that second process, yes. which is why, where the, the right. DNA plasmid for... contamination came in. Yeah. Well, and that story is going to get told. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I didn't dig into it with, uh, with uh, Naomi, but I, I think she was talking about going to visit that no. professor in South Carolina, isn't she? The one that had mm -hmm. been raising the issues around this. Is that yeah? So yes. So we, we, this is a story that is coming down the road here and should be on our radar very soon. So stay with us, and we will report on that as we get it, and we'll, and we will no doubt be interviewing the major players because. Nobody else does, except we should get right. them and right. hear what they right. have to exactly. say. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Uh, all right. So we're good. You've got, let's so, put up, uh, if uh, Caleb can put up the upcoming guests. I ran them yesterday schedule. and went over them, but uh, yeah, they're yes. scheduled. All right. Um, uh, Acharya tomorrow, I'll hear what he, I'll be interested to hear what he has to say about these very same issues. Rob Schneider on Tuesday, my old friend, we are going to talk about uh, how he and I were attacked uh, by the New York Times and how that article looks now in retrospect. Next Wednesday, when Kelly joins us again, Peter McCullough comes in and we will talk about these issues we were discussing today. Yep. There was something you said today. I thought, God, I got to ask him about that. It's specifically oh, you mentioned, the thing I mentioned. The myocarditis yeah, is ahead. really about differentiating. Yeah. The thing with Peter yeah. is really about the ability yeah. to put to bed once and for all that these cardiac issues are actually, you know, no, it's a side effect of Vaccine. COVID. Uh, yeah, Dr. McCullough has made it very yeah. clear that that we can differentiate and that these are vaccine-related cardiac issues, not cardiac issues that are secondary to someone having had COVID. Okay, we'll walk oh. through that, uh, and uh, we'll see you then, Kelly, next Wednesday, and we'll see everybody else tomorrow at 3 o'clock, our usual time, with Jay Bhattacharya. Thanks, my dear. See you soon. Bye. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.